name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18. It is not good for man to be alone. And this is why we know that God created us, God created Adam, and then in saying that he creates Eve, beginning of humanity, we are all together. And then we get lots of models from that point on. The church as the body of Christ, we're all members of one another and members of Christ, that he is the head of this body. There's this constant interaction. We do need each other. We need to be together. We give each other value, strength, meaning, purpose, support, uh, companionship, guidance, all of these things. Judges chapter 10 verse 13 says, Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. So it seems like somehow the relationship became skewed. God loves us and he creates us and he knows our needs. And because he loves us and creates us and knows our needs, then he gives us what we need. He gives us companionship, and he gives us family, and he gives us friends, and he gives us the church, and he gives us humanity. But in doing that, in having all of those things, suddenly something changes, and they become the priority. It becomes a priority. Life becomes a priority. People become the priority. We even see that sometimes in our church groups, the church community becomes a priority. But Christ is no longer the core of it. He's no longer the focus. And so, in actual fact, by him creating us and giving us to one another for our support, we are suddenly so distracted that we forsake him. We leave him. Now, of course, we know that he will not force himself on us. He will not... He will not force a salvation even that he calls us to. He will not impose on the freedom that he has bestowed upon us, quite intentionally, because he thinks this is how we should live. St. Augustine says, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Right? Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Because any value that we give to God, any value, is going to be less than he actually deserves. The only thing he is deserving of is everything we have. Because he is that loving, he is that sacrificial. To the extent that not only did he create us, but he came to save us, even after we'd caused the rift and the division. Let's put aside valuing God above all. I mean, we should, but let's say, as we know, this is a work in progress. We are a work in progress. We do things gradually. We don't need to, do, to value him above all now, but at least start to value him. At least in line with what else we're doing. Imagine, imagine the God of gods and Lord of lords says, you know, it's fine. I know you're distracted. I know you don't want me. You don't, you can't give me yourself above all things. 
but at least, at least, in some sort of equality, with some sort of equity. At least the time you spend with others, spend some of that time with me. The focus, the attention, the preoccupation, the commitment, the faithfulness, all of these things that we give to others, and we give so willingly, and sometimes we chase people to give them these things. You know, you, you, you chase someone so you can give them your love, even if they don't want it. You chase someone to give them your loyalty, even if they don't want it. And yet there is God who has given us everything and will take anything, but we don't prioritize him at all. We don't give him anything at all. And God values the smallest of things. You know, when our Lord speaks about the poor and the disenfranchised and the alienated, the impoverished, in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 25, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, the least of my brethren, you do it to me. He loves the simple so much that he says, you know what? You don't even need to do it to me. Leave behind, above all, leave behind even parity. You know what? Just do it to each other. Just love each other. Because you are mine. Love these children of mine. Be generous with these children of mine. Be faithful. Give them what I want you to give them. For them, but also for you. If you give them for them, you provide what they need. If you give them for you, then you are able to use some of that life that I've given you. Because I gave you this love for you to use. I made you like me. And just as I give selflessly, I want you to give selflessly. I want you to learn to be like me. When God says to us, be perfect, be holy, to be like him. We say, oh, we can't be. We can't be perfect. We know we can't be perfect. We can't be all holy. Of course we can't be all holy. But at least replicate what he does. Replicate it in his love. These days we're fasting the fast of the apostles. And in these people, the men, the apostles, the women who ministered with them and who ministered to our Lord himself, People who followed him, people were the starting point of this faith we all feel part of today. They tried to mimic what he did. They learned, they saw, they embodied, then they gave of themselves to others. Now, some people appreciated it, and whichever city you enter, if they receive you, Say, the kingdom of heaven has come near to this place and stay there and serve and eat and drink and heal the sick. But some rejected it. And whichever place you enter and they reject you, go out, dust off the, your feet and say, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. Exactly the same way. This is what we are called to do. We're called to give we're called to provide, we're called to be Christ-like in that. 
And, and through being Christ-like in that way, we then provide something else for others to follow. You know, there are so many people who are inspired by uh, saintly people who help others, who give of themselves. Whether they are saints recognized by the church, whether they're righteous people that we've seen serving, whether they're people we've met ourselves, people who are loving and gracious and giving, we think, I want to be like that. I want to give that way. And then we remember, in so much as you do this to the least of these, my brethren, you do it to me. So whatever we're doing in that respect, we're actually doing for him. And that's what he wants. What does God need from me? Nothing. What does he want from me? Personally, for himself, nothing. What can I benefit him? He wants me to give for me. So that I can be giving. And so that I can be loving. And I can be like him. Because only when I am like him can I enter into his kingdom because I become so similar. And that's why um, Abba Apollo, one of the monastic fathers, says, when you see your brother or your sister, you see the Lord your God. So it all keeps going along the same pattern. When you see someone, you see the Lord your God. If you do this, you do them to me. If you don't put God first, then he's not in his rightful place. How do we put him first? By the two great commandments that our Lord himself gave us. And they fall straight into this. Love the Lord your God. Love me, he says. Then love your neighbor as yourself. And implicitly, love your neighbor as I love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as I love you. Love your neighbor as you ought to love me. And so with that combination of characteristics, we see exactly how God wants us to be with each other. Will we ever be totally sacrificial? Some people are, and I've met them. But we, we sometimes need to hold a little bit back of ourselves, to protect ourselves. And that's fine. If that's what it takes, that's what it needs for you to start, hold back. Protect yourself. And as we continue to give, and as we become encouraged, and as we feel that we are safer, then we're able to give more. And as we give more, we become more confident, and more reassured, and more happy, satisfied to give even more. You see people who give completely of themselves. You, think, you say to them, slow down. But I can't slow down, I have so much more to give. Someone looks at them and says, are you foolish? What do you mean you have so much more to give? What about yourself? But this is myself. This is myself. This is me loving this person as myself. This is me loving God, so loving that person in him. This is myself and this is what he calls me to do. There are times when we feel that we, we have nothing and we can't do anything. But then we realize that God really does fill the void in our lives. And he compensates us. He will never ever remain indebted. 
If we have given anything, he will return a hundredfold. The stewards, when they came back to him, said, here are your five talents, here are your two talents. Well done, well done. You've been faithful in this little bit. Enter into what is even greater, what is even more majestic, what is even more beautiful. God has everything. God is everything. God can give us everything. And whatever we give, he'll give us more, not just to reward us, but he says, you know what, you're really good. I gave you these five talents. You've invested them, got five more. Well, you know what? The shrewd God that I am, who loves you and loves the rest of my children, I now know if I give you ten talents, you'll use them for ten more. If I give you a hundred, I'll give you a thousand, you will continue to use them. So do you see how the mind of God works? This isn't brownie points. This is, you've given me five, I'll give you ten, great, we've got a good deal, come do business again. This is us working and growing. This is us giving. I've given you this much talent. You've used it. Here's more so you can use it for more. Because I now know that you get it. You understand. I said to you that if you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. And you did it and you get it. You understand that it's about you loving me, but it's also about you loving your neighbor as I love your neighbor. Because that is the kind of God I am. And this is how you start to become perfect, without even realizing it. But Lord, I'm not working on perfection. No, you're working on being like me. And I am perfection. But Lord, I still sin, and you will continue to sin. But as you continue to become like me more and more, you will sin less. What's the reaction? What's, what's the relationship, Lord? Simple. Because if you love me, you won't want to grieve me. If you love your brethren, you won't want to grieve them, or grieve me by grieving them. And so the more generous, the more giving, the more sacrificial, the more loving, the more we are like him, for him and for his humanity at the same time. Gospel of St. Luke, verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 27, asks a question. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. You know, our Lord's changing these perspectives. So, you walk into a scene where there is a table and there are people serving. Who's greater? Who's more important? Of course, the people sitting down, the people in the prime seats. That says, okay, that's fine, great. Let's go with that one. Where are you now? Uh, we're sitting down. Where am I? You're serving us. So where is the greater? What is the greater? What's the understanding of the greater? In this world, the understanding of the greater is the one who has more power, more influence, and more authority, and who sits and is served. 
Who's really the greater? The one who is like his or her master. The one who serves faithfully. The one who gives of him or herself in that very selfless way. Now, of course, that makes us vulnerable. Of course it does. Has that privilege ever been abused? Absolutely, of course it has. It's happened with me several times, and I've done it several times. You know, you get people to help you, you abuse their privilege. You come to help people, you're abused in that privilege. It happens because of our humanity. Does it make us stop? Of course not. Of course not. What it will do is make me realize I shouldn't abuse the love and the generosity of people. But if my love and generosity are abused, I need to forgive. Sometimes I need to deal with it differently. Sometimes I need to give in a different way. Sometimes I might need, might need to even readjust this relationship. But to cut out completely giving just because I've, I've, I've been hurt, um, I'm no avid uh, athlete, as you might imagine. So I can imagine that if I tried to run really fast from here to relatively very close, I could develop a stitch. And if you've had a stitch, I haven't had one for many years, probably because I haven't run for many years, but it's a different issue. If you develop a stitch, what happens? When you breathe, it hurts. Question is, do you stop breathing? Well, since we're all here, the answer is probably, no, you don't stop breathing. It hurts. But you, you, you work with it. You take a little bit of time, you breathe a little bit slower, you breathe differently, you put up with the pain a bit until it goes away, but you continue to breathe. If we are doing the will of God, it's going to hurt sometimes. Don't leave it behind. Don't stop it. It is as essential as breathing. To be God-like, to be, to be Christ-like, is as essential as breathing because it brings us closest to where we are supposed to be and who we are supposed to be. And to give. And to give as we see him giving us. And so the fact that we're not alone anymore as humanity, that he's created us for each other, provides all of these wonderful opportunities for us to serve each other, but also, and the system does work, to be served by each other. But you think, I do stuff for X, Y, or Z all the time, and they, do, they never do anything for me. Okay, it may not be X, Y, or Z, but A, B, or C will have done something for you. It's a net result. When I do something for one person, I, I shouldn't expect anything from that person. But I know that God will give me from another source, from another direction. The fact that I give is unrelated to me receiving. I know that God is faithful. I know that God is loving. I know that God is general, uh, generous. And I know that he is a God of promises. And so he will give me. And that's my reassurance. Is it going to hurt sometimes? Yeah. So when you have your last 20 pounds in your pocket and you want to do something with it, 
it hurts a bit more when you pull it out. Right? When you have the last little bit of energy you have in your body, the last bit of attention you have in your mind, the last bit of patience you have, it hurts more to pull it out. But you do, and you give it, and then you receive the wonderful rewards. So, our creation is about God making us like himself. Because unless we are like him, we will not enter his kingdom. Why would we? Why, why would we want to? And how would we survive? The kingdom of God is about God. So unless we are like God, we're not going to want to enter the kingdom. Because I need to be like him to survive in it. And to be like him is to be giving and loving. To sometimes be hurt, to even sometimes be crucified. But it is in that giving that we receive. And it is sometimes in that pain, in that crucifixion, that we come back invigorated and risen. And glory be to God for